Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. indoors in English and 11.45 indoors in Spanish. Hey, I want to talk to you this morning in review and kind of as we pull our October series to a close, I want to talk to you this morning about a word that I like. A word that I like. I like the word now. I like the word now. Don't you? I was in Walmart yesterday, and uh, there's two kinds of people in Walmart, I think. They basically fall into two categories. The ones are the people that come in with the list and the ID, and they've even looked up on their phone which aisle the thing is they need, and they're going to get the thing and to get out alive, right? And then there's the other people. They come in, and they kind of know what they need, but then you see them like five minutes later wandering, like, maybe I do need new shoes, you know? And three hours later, they make it out. Maybe alive, maybe not. And so I was determined yesterday, I was going to be in the first group. I just needed two or three things. I was going to get in. I was going to get out. And at one point, I kind of watched myself as I'm kind of like, I don't know. You would have thought it was was like a, I'm like going through the aisles and I'm navigating different people. People had to look at me like, what is wrong with this guy? And as I'm checking out, I'm realizing like, why am I in such a hurry? I don't even know. I just didn't want this place to suck me into its black hole and be lost for hours. But I realized as I was leaving, I felt like the Lord kind of reminded me, like, Adrian, you do like now, don't you? You you like now. You you don't want to wait. You don't want to put off later what could happen now. I, I like to get what I need and get out and get going. I like now. And the good news of this series we've been in called Changed to Change. We've been talking about the trans forming power of God. And the good news for us is God, God also likes to work in the now. God does. Do you know, just a few minutes ago, we were worshiping in this room and the spirit of God was at work and he was working now. It wasn't like, hey, come back next week and maybe then I'll, no, no, for some of us, as we were declaring God's goodness and declaring his praises, the spirit of God was at work now in this moment. Some of us could testify to that. Yeah. God's working. And that's, that's a beautiful thing that now is a powerful moment for God to move and transform. We believe the power of God transforms us even in a moment, even in now, in that moment. But we also, if you came last week, there's another word. It's actually two words. And it's words that are not quite as exciting to us. We don't really get quite as jazzed. If you're like me and you get jazzed about now, you're like, yeah, now, let's go. These words are not quite as exciting to you, and that's the words not yet. Not yet. That doesn't get many of us excited. That doesn't get many of us uh, hooping and hollering. That idea of not yet. But, but consider for a minute, those words not yet do not mean no. They feel like that. When you're a now person and you're like a 5G kind of speed person, the, the idea of not yet feels like a no, doesn't it? When, when you want something now and you have to wait till not yet, that feels like, ugh. But consider, right? Consider like, like my kids in a car ride. Are we there yet? Now, when I say no to that, the first time I'm smiling, right? The second, it, it, when it's just after we've left our driveway and my three-year-olds, are we there yet? You know, no, right? But, but consider, I'm not really saying no, we are never going to get there. What I'm saying is no, we are not there yet. And what we're learning about the transforming power of God is sometimes, sometimes we live between this tension of the now and the not yet. And the truth is, some of us, 
Some of us could find some real encouragement and hope in our lives if instead of embracing that not yet as a no, we feel like God's not working. We feel like he's not going to work. We feel like he's not going to come through. But that's not what God is saying to some of us. He's just saying, not yet. Not yet. In some ways, you know what not yet is? Maybe I'm an optimist. Not yet is a yes. It's just a yes in a minute. Yes, in five minutes. Yes, in an hour. Yes, in one week. Yes, next year. Not yet. And so here's what we're learning, that the transforming power of God works in this tension between the now and the not yet, that many of us, we have and we get to experience. And and this word, this truth tells us that God absolutely can transform us in a moment, but we also live in the tension between the now and the not yet, because sometimes the transforming power of God is at work through a process. And that is where we landed last week, that the transforming work of God is both a moment and a process, the now and the not yet. And today we conclude our series and we're going to talk about the culmination, the culmination of transformation in our lives, the end of the story. I want you to imagine today, I brought some props with me today. I want you to imagine uh, your life as a story, right? As a book. And so if you were looking at your life in terms of the grand scheme of eternity, right? Maybe some of you, you're a little more seasoned, you know? I've learned you don't say old, you just say seasoned. So you're a little bit more seasoned, right? You've lived a few years. You might feel like your book is really, really, really long, but in the grand scheme of things, your book, my book eventually, it's gonna be like really little, like this is it. But you look at your story of transformation. You think about this idea of transformation in terms of your story. And oftentimes what you'll do is you'll say this, you kind of look at the moment that God began, and that's kind of the beginning of your story. And then you think ahead to kind of the end, wherever that is in the end. And so your life, we think about in terms of a very simple story. Well, I want to challenge us today as we think about the journey of transformation to not just think about transformation in terms of our story and our life, the limited number of pages that we have for us. Because the truth is, uh, the reality of our lives is it's like a breath. It's like a mist, the Bible says. That, I, mean, I think this has like 90 pages, and that might be really saying something for some of us. Because the truth is, this life is here and gone, but all we have is this moment. And so our lives may seem very brief, but we look in terms of, of kind of this short finite thing. But today, I want to challenge you to believe in terms of a much bigger story, that your transforming journey is not just your story, your volume on a page, on a shelf somewhere. I want you to consider today a much bigger story. Now, this is not actually a Bible. I wish it was. I wish I had one of those like thousand page Bibles, but not. But I want you to imagine the story of God, and the story of God is way bigger than this. It's got way more pages than this. It has existed long before the moment you drew your first breath, and long after you draw your last breath, the story of God will still continue to be at work. So today I want you to imagine not just your story, your journey of transformation, but I want you to imagine as we step back today to consider how your finite, limited journey, the few pages that is being written in your breath of life that you have, how that will fit into the greater story of God. Not God, here's my story, and God, here's your No, no, no. How does my story then fit into your story, and how does my journey of transformation fit into the greater story of God? And so to do that today, we're going to start back at the beginning. We're going to land eventually today in in Revelation. Revelation is the end. It's the end of the story. It's the end of the book. It's the reason that we can read this book and know what we look forward to, because we know the end of the story. But we're going to begin, before we get there to Revelation 21, we're going to begin uh, where the story begins, and that's in Genesis. 
And I'm going to attempt for just a few minutes to walk us through this story and to do it in a way that we can dive in and we can understand. But due to time and because you don't have four hours to walk through the entire story of God in brief snapshot, uh, I'm going to attempt to do it briefly. But I want you to picture in the beginning. In the beginning, God created and it was good. It was good. We know that because time after time, that's what God says about his creation. It was good. Specifically, he created man, he created woman, and he placed them in a garden. And in this garden, some of you like gardens, some of you like outdoorsy stuff, so it's not hard for you to imagine, but this garden was good. It wasn't just good, it was perfect. It had everything they needed for life. And in fact, the name of this garden was Eden, which literally means paradise, right? So God had given man and woman who were created in his image, who he breathed into them and gave them life. He had given them everything they needed, his good creation surrounding them. And in this Garden of Eden, they experienced the fullness of God's glory. They were able to walk. God literally would walk through the garden and they could know him face to face. They could experience the fullness of his glory living in God's presence there in the Garden of Eden. See, God had given them everything they needed, but there was only one thing they could not enjoy. Everything they needed, but only one thing, which he instructed them not to do, but they chose to disobey the word of God. Not the word of God, the truth, God's truth right there. And we read in the word of God that they chose to disobey. And here was the temptation in the garden for Adam and Eve. The temptation was this. We want to determine what is right and wrong, God. Not you, We don't want you, our God, our creator, to tell us what is right and wrong. We want to determine. We want to know for ourselves what is right and wrong. We want to be our own God. And in the moment of temptation, they disobeyed what God had asked them to do. If you choose independence over God dependence, ultimately you lose out on the reality of Eden. And so from that moment on, and again, if we were looking at the story here in Genesis, from that moment on, the rest of this story, God's story in Scripture, as it moves on, uh, mankind is left to wander. The garden is no longer their home. The Eden, paradise, is no longer their reality. And, And from that moment on, the story is humanity's attempt to get back to the place of abiding in the presence of God, to get back to the place of seeing things restored as it should be. They long to return to Eden. Moving ahead in the story, uh, there's an attempt. They have this idea, let's build a tower, right? Let's build a tower that, that can reach up to the heavens because, again, we want to experience the fullness of God. We want to walk in his presence. We want to experience life as it should be. So let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens and we can abide in the presence of God. We want to experience life as it should be. This is, of course, the Tower of Babel. And the Lord scatters them throughout the earth. Their plans are futile. (laughs) Along comes a man named Abraham. Again, I'm summarizing chapters and chapters of story of scripture but along came a man named Abraham and God makes him a promise he says Abraham I want to bless you I want to make you a great nation through your offspring all the people of the world will be blessed and later the author of Hebrews said that Abraham he longed 
for a city with the foundations whose architect and builder was the Lord. What was Abraham longing for as God made him these promises? He was longing for Eden to return to life as it should be. Abraham's offspring, they're eventually held captive, right? They're they're made slaves in Egypt, and they long again for the place to call their own, a place where they can dwell, a place where they can worship God. So the Exodus, right? The book of Exodus is this long journey, and it's a story, maybe you're familiar with it, of miracles and rebellion and obedience and disobedience. And ultimately, it's a story of deliverance and of wandering. But the promise through it all is a place, a promised land that they are given, that they seek. Fast forward through the story again, many generations and several more uh, chapters through God's word. There is a city, kind of an interim city of God. It's called Jerusalem. In many ways, Jerusalem is to reflect Eden's original purpose. It's, It's a place for worship. But again, this is an incomplete picture. Why? Because people worship idols. The temple is neglected and the people rebel against God. So what happens? Jerusalem is conquered. It's plundered by the Babylonians. God's people are in captivity and the cycle continues yet again. Even until today, even until today, where we look around in our world in which we're living, we see a lot of chaos, we see a lot of brokenness, but we long, right, right? Don't we long to experience creation as it should be? Don't we long to live in community with God where we can walk with him and experience the fullness of his goodness and his glory? Even today, we long for Eden. We long for Eden, and so we come to the book of Revelation, the end of the story. And again, I've oversimplified much of the journey to get us there, but but we are going to look today at Revelation chapter 21. If you don't know where Revelation is, go to the back of the book and turn left. You'll get there quite quickly because this is the end of the story. This is God's revelation to John. So, So he's giving John a picture, an image of what it will look like at the end of the story. And so even though we weren't living when John was, even though we weren't alive when these words, these words still ring true for us because we have not yet reached the end of the story that God is writing. And so we're going to come to Revelation chapter 21. And Revelation chapter 21 begins with a word, and the word is then. Then. Now that's a really good word, an important word, but before we dive in, and and we're going to read the words that we read together, uh, and we experienced during our time of worship, I want to understand what does that word then mean? What is that conjunction referring to? What is it connecting us back to what just happened in this story before we get to Revelation 21. So if you will back up a few verses with me to Revelation 20, starting in verse 11. This is God's word for us today. Uh, It says this, then I saw, then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. We can see, we can understand that this is the moment of judgment. 
This is the moment at the end of the story when the judge will preside and all will be judged. All will come before the great king and be judged. Then look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were open and another book was open. This was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now I know on a rainy Sunday morning, man, this is a big bummer reading Revelation chapter 20, right? Nobody's getting blessed as we read about the final judgment in the lake of fire, right? No one's saying, bless the Lord, right? right? I, I get it. But this is a hard reality, but a hard truth that sets up what's coming in Revelation 21. Because Revelation 21 is going to show us the culmination, the final moment of transformation. And before we get to that moment, we have to understand what precedes that moment. And what precedes that moment is a moment where we all come face to face with the judge, with the Lord, our king, our God who sits on the throne. And there's some nuances here, and there's some things that may be a little bit hard to understand, and we're not going to dive into all of that today, but just suffice it to say that the word of God promises at the end of the story there's a judgment. There's a day coming where we'll stand before the true king, the true Lord, seated on his throne, and everyone in that moment will stand before him. And clearly for some, that day of judgment is not going to be good. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun because everyone will be judged according to what they had done. But now we get to chapter 21. Now we understand the then, right? right? So all of this has transpired. The judgment and those that are separated eternally from the presence of God. They will never experience life as it should be. They will never be able to experience the fullness and glory of God. But then we get to chapter 21. And these words should sound familiar because we heard them as a part of our time of worship. But I want you to read them and listen as if you're hearing again for the first time. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. And I want to put in parentheses again, right? He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying from pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
I get it, man. I get, I get Revelation 20 is a bit of a wet blanket and a bit of a downer. But somebody, when I read Revelation 21, something in you has got to get a little juiced. It's got to get a little bit like, oh, it's got to be. Even if you don't know what to say or what to feel or you're kind of in awe of this moment, something in my spirit leaps for joy as I read this description. Why? Because this sounds a lot like Eden, doesn't it? This sounds a lot like God being among his people, walking with them in, the, in fullness and glory with his grace. And he will dwell with them. I am making everything new is what Revelation 21 says. You see, a, a new heaven and a new earth, what, what does that suggest? It suggests that in the final day, what will happen is transformation. Right, we've been in this series and we've been talking about God's transforming work in our lives. That we believe that that's who we're called to be. We're called to be transformed. And that happens in a moment, in a moment where we allow God, we put our faith and trust in him and he becomes our savior. He becomes our Lord. He transforms us in a moment. And then for the rest of our lifetime is the process of transformation. But the truth is, there is another moment coming. <laughs> There is a moment coming, and Revelation 21 points to it with a new heaven and a new earth. And in that final day, the God of transformation will still be in the process of finally transforming. You see, transformation is not just a past tense reality. It's not just a present tense thing. It is a future reality for the life of the believer. Heaven, this new heaven, this new earth is the ultimate transformation. The ultimate transformation in the life of a believer. There's a lot I used to think about when I think about heaven. I was sure, I was sure there was going to be good beaches in heaven, right? There's got to be. I mean, come on. Have you sat on a beach before and felt like, this is heaven, right? I just, I was sure, I was sure there was at least one section of, and, and I'm like a sweet tea fan, so I like could not imagine how could you have heaven without good sweet tea. Tapioca pudding makes my skin crawl, so I just thought there's no way they'll let that in, right? There's no way. So I, I was just sure of some of these things. I was sure that Red Sox fans would be welcome and Yankees fans would be sent away at the gate the other way. I was sure of that. Uh, I'm not sure you need naps in heaven, but if you've had a preschooler anytime recently, I just got to believe it blesses my heart to think there's a nap in heaven waiting for me, right? So, so I get that. I think about all those things and I have a little bit of fun with that, but I'm going to be truthful with you today. The more I study, sometimes the less I know exactly about those kind of details about heaven. I like thinking about it. I like talking about it, but I'm just going to admit there's some of those details to me that I don't quite understand. But here's what I want to do as we, as we conclude this series, uh, the culmination of our transformation in heaven. I want to talk to you about two things that I know, two things that God's word tells us that we can know about this new heaven and new earth, the heaven that we will experience, the new Jerusalem, right, that we long to experience. There's two things that I want us to know quite certainly today. First is this, we will see Jesus face to face. I, that might be all we need, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure we need to know anything else. Uh, but you can't read the scripture and you can't understand even the story that we just read in the revelation of John, right? And see that in that moment, a new heaven and a new earth, we will come before our Lord, our Savior Jesus, and we will see him face to face. This is what Jesus said himself in John 14. 
He said this, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. See, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I will take you to be with me, that where I am, you will also be. So many questions about heaven. So many things, even in the book of Revelation, which is beautiful and profound, but I just like, it blows my mind sometimes. One thing I can be sure of in that moment, I will stand face to face with the one who gave his life for me. In fact, in fact, the word says every knee will bow. And so I'm not even sure I'll be able to stand, right? I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'll stand and meet him face to face. I think I'll be on my knees. I'll be on my knees, not out of some servant, not of get on your knees. No, 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 because I'll see him in his goodness and his holiness and his beauty. And I just don't even think I'll be able to stand in his presence as I see the scars in his hands and his feet. My scars, my penalty that he paid on the cross, I'll weep at his feet, Jesus, the one who conquered death, who made a way for me. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Overwhelmed by his glory and his goodness. I picture him, and, and I, you do what you want with this, you know, but I picture him in that moment just me and Jesus. You get your moment with Jesus, I get my moment, okay? So I'm there, and, and, and I'm just fall on my face before him, weeping. You know, I, just the emotion of that moment, I can't imagine. And I picture Jesus kind of coming over to where I am and maybe lifting me to my feet, but maybe he just gets right down there where I am. And as I picture heaven, and again, this is just me, you know, so I'm, maybe I'm weird, but I picture Jesus, my Savior, his nail-scarred hands bending down and taking my face in his hands and looking me in the eyes. Jesus, my Jesus, I, I will see him face to face. That's the promise of heaven. That's the promise of heaven. I, I want to conclude, though, with what I believe is one more important reality of heaven. We will see Jesus face to face, but there's one other reality and truth I want us to close on today. And that's this, that when we get there, when we experience the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, in that moment, what he says goes, finally and forever. In that moment, right, what did we just read about there will be no more tears and no more mourning and no more, right? Behold, I am making all things new. Those are the words that we just read. We will experience Eden in that moment as it should be. You see, I think about people in my life, people in my life that I have loved dearly, people that have loved me dearly. I think about heroes in my life. I thought about my grandpa, Charles. We called him Poppy. I thought about Lauren's grandma, Mary. We called her Graham. I thought about other heroes in my life, our, our dear friend. She was really more than a friend. She was family, Tammy. We called her Titi. Each of them loved Jesus passionately. Each of them put their faith and trust in them. And today, I, my, my heart aches with grief and sorrow. Because you know what? This life that I live here will never be the same without them. It will never be the same. And you know what it feels like in that moment? You know what it feels like? It feels like cancer had the final word. 
it feels like dementia had the final word in their lives. As I stand there and as I, as I ache sometimes, my soul aches to be with them again. There's a loss there that will never be filled. And it feels like in that moment that cancer and dementia and sickness had the final word in their life. But in this moment, in the Revelation 21 moment, this culmination of transformation, right? right in that moment, the final word belongs to him. Right? What he says goes. Amen. What he says goes. You see, in that moment, in that moment, it doesn't matter what cancer says. It doesn't matter what sickness and death say in that moment. In that moment, what he says goes. Man, I think about, I think about children. I think about today. One out of every three children born today in our world is born into poverty. Every two minutes, every two minutes in our world, a child dies because they lack access to clean drinking water. I think about 140 million orphans in the world today. Those are numbers our brain can't even comprehend. Literally 10,000 orphans a day in our world. And those numbers to me seem overwhelming, but, but you know what I do sometimes when I hear things like that? I think about my kids my four kids, and if they had to live in a world where they were hungry or the water they drank made them sick, they didn't even have the opportunity for education, they had no real hope for their future. When I think about that, my heart aches. And it feels like, it feels like the cycle of poverty and sickness are having the final word, doesn't it? It feels like these things, these systems that sometimes seem so much bigger than us, it feels like in thousands and thousands and millions of children's lives that those things have the final word. But I'm here to tell you, in that moment when we experience Eden as it should be, he will have the final word. Not sickness and poverty and systems that seem to be having the final word now. What he says goes. He is making all things new. Finally, I, I look at our world today, like right now today. I see a lot of anger. I see a lot of hate. We appear more divided than ever because of the color of someone's skin, because of the boundary lines that we draw and we decide who gets in and who gets out, who's worthy of our love and who isn't. I see contempt and division in our lives and the divide seems to grow wider and wider every day. And my heart as a pastor and as, as a person, my heart aches because you know what it feels like? It feels like hate in division and prejudice and anger and fear. It feels like they're having the final word, but I declare and believe in truth that when all things are made new, he will have the final word. What he says goes. In this gospel of transformation, the God of transformation has the final word. We long for Eden. We long to experience life as it should be. In conclusion today, our mission statement, really this series for us was a chance for us to dive in to our mission statement and understand more deeply who it is that God has called us to be. And, and our mission statement is this, that we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. That we are transformed by God to bring hope to others 
through Christ. And, and while it may feel like we've spent some time over these last weeks talking a lot about the first part of that. What does it mean to be transformed by God? How does that work? How, according to God's word, not my opinion, but what does transformation look like in the life of our believer? And we, we've certainly tried to do that. But I want you to understand why we can't separate one from the other. We can't separate the transforming work of God with the hope that's available to us through Jesus Christ. We can't. We can't. In fact, in fact, if the hope that we offer others, if the hope that we offer others is only dependent on what we can see here now, because that's what we do, right? We live according to what we can see and what we can touch and what we can hold and what we can possess and what we can see in our bank account and what we can achieve, the trophies on our shelf, right? Oftentimes that's what dictates, that's what rules our life and that's what guides us. But if that is what hope is about in our life, then hope is fleeting. It's fleeting. If our hope is in what we can accomplish, and look, we can accomplish a lot of things. We can get together with the church and decide today we're gonna, we're gonna, and just on our strength, our ability, we could do some things. But if that's all that it is, if that's all that hope is to us, it's so fleeting. You see, the hope that we offer people is, is both a now and a not yet. <laughs> Remember that tension we talked about? that God transforms in the now and he transforms in the not yet. But, but the hope that we offer, the hope that we have is both the now and the not yet. Do you know, we have hope today because of a God who loves us, because of a God who redeems us, because of a God who has made a way for us. Though we were dead in our sin, he made a way. That's hope now. That's hope today. I don't have to just long for heaven and be miserable now. No, I can have hope today in my life. I, that changes me. Do you know you're sitting in a room today, and, and those of you watching online, that you're surrounded by people today that have been transformed. They're not the same anymore because the hope of Jesus matters now. It changes their life now. It has something to say in their life now. But you see, there's a not yet to this hope too, right? Because like me, maybe you feel a little overwhelmed by what's happening in our world. Maybe you feel the grief. Maybe your heart aches sometimes because you look around and realize this is not life as it should be. This is not how we were created in the beginning. I long, I long to return to that moment. And you see the transforming power of God gives us hope for the not yet. It's not a no. It's not a no, it's a not yet. That Revelation 21 is not yet our reality. It's not yet what we're experiencing here in the now. And maybe we long for that much deeper than we ever have before. But the hope we have is both a now and a not yet. Because we know there is a day when he will make all things new. There is a day when we will see Jesus face to face. There is a day when we will experience life as it was intended to be. And so our hope is not just in the now, our hope is also in the not yet, but the coming soon return of our Lord and Savior, experiencing his fullness, his kingdom. I wanna say it to you this way, that our final transformation is our firm hope. That's our hope today. Not on us, not on what we can do, not on what we can accomplish, not on all the accolades, the things we can accumulate. It's not our hope today. 
Our hope is that there is a day, a final transformation for all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And in that day, we will see him face to face. And in that day, he will have the final word. What he says goes. So today, we're gonna conclude with a moment of uh, just honesty before the Lord. Today, he knows where you are. He knows where your heart aches today. He knows the places today where you long to see him work and move and bring hope, but you feel hopeless. He longs today to give you a vision of a future, not your story, not your little infinite pages here, but a much bigger story that he's writing that he wants to invite you to be a part of his transformation story. So today, will you yield to his will, to his desire? Will you trust and believe in spite of how you feel today, right? Because it feels like all of this stuff around you is winning. But today, would you put your faith and trust and hope that he will make all things new? We can trust his lordship. We can surrender to his lordship in our lives and for our future. Today, will you lean in and experience the now and not yet of the hope that we have in Jesus? Can I pray for you today? God, today I pray for us. I pray for us as a people that are living and experiencing a world that was not as it was meant to be. And Lord, we see your beauty in this world and we see your goodness, God. We just, we just sang that, we just declared that. But we also are so aware in these days that we are living in a broken world. We are living in a world, Lord, where, where sin seems to run rampant. We're living in a world where it feels like at times, feels like at times the things around us are raging war and they're winning. That's how it feels. But God, today we declare that our transformation is not based on our feelings. We don't gauge the transformation happening within our souls based on solely on how we feel today. And so we step back today and we invite you to write a much bigger story in our life, to give us a much bigger vision of our present and future than we even had on our own. And some of us today, God, some of us today, we need to trust your lordship, your sovereignty in our lives to believe that God, we, we can have hope today, but we can also have a hope that you will restore all that has been broken. You will reveal your kingdom, that your kingdom will come here and now and also in that moment when we experience your fullness and your goodness and your glory. Some of us today, God, we are heartbroken. We are hurting. We are angry. We are anxious. All of these things that weigh heavy on us. And today, God, we need to trust and believe in your final transformation for us. That you are writing the story. And behold, you will make all things new. We long for that today. We long for that today. And as we wait, as we wait for the not yet, we invite you to bring hope now. We invite you to bring hope, God, into some of those circumstances that I just shared. 
we invite you to bring hope. When we see needs, we see brokenness around us, God, you invite us to be a part of bringing hope now. You, you invite us, Lord, in broken relationships where we just feel overwhelmed at times, God. You want to bring hope now with people that seem so divided and so hurt. You want to use us as the church to show what unity can be. You want to bring hope now, God. We don't have to pick one or the other. We can live in the reality of your hope, both now and not yet. So thank you for the gospel of transformation. Some of us throughout the series, God, we've been uh, doing some work with you. We've been praying. We've been asking you to begin uh, a new work in us, continue a work in us. And now, God, we would pray as we close this time together that your transforming power would be our reality, that we would never claim this gospel as truth in our lives without claiming the power of your transforming work in us and through us. We have hope today because of you. And we love and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.